All right, this morning, let's go ahead and turn in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 26, if you would. Matthew chapter 26. Again, it's good to see everyone here this morning. Thank you for coming and being a part of our service. And uh, as we celebrate the resurrection, again, how important it is to stop and consider what it is that Jesus Christ has done and the resurrection that He has provided for us. Again, uh, salvation, a way for us to be restored and reconciled to God. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. This morning, again, we're in Matthew chapter 26. And since you are there, if you would just mark your place in Matthew chapter 26 and get out your hymnal. I know it's kind of odd for me to do this, but... Get your hymnals out, and I want you to turn with me to hymn number 273. 273. Again, this is Resurrection Sunday. It's a time we get to reflect back on, on the, the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary. There's a lot of churches this morning that are celebrating the same idea and the same idea, the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. This hymn this morning... Again, it has some very strong words in it. It's not one that we sing very often, but it's something that I want you to see. And uh, again, it ties in perfect with the message of this morning. If you look there, uh, it's titled, What Will You Do With Jesus? The first verse says, Jesus is standing at Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, betrayed by all. Hearken, what meaneth the sudden call? What will you do with Jesus? Jesus is standing on trial still. You can be false to Him if you will. You can be faithful through good or ill. What will you do with Jesus? Will you evade Him as Pilate tried? Or will you choose Him whatever be tied? Vainly you struggle from Him to hide. What will you do with Jesus? Will you like Peter your Lord deny? Or will you scorn from His foes to fly? Daring for Jesus to live or die? What will you do with Jesus? Again, there's a lot of words that you can look there. And uh, again, uh, hopefully it kind of paints a picture in your mind of what's happening, what's going on. Again, the Lord Jesus Christ was, was brought before Pilate. He was again uh, given to the Sanhedrin council, if you would, uh, being put on trial. And asked a simple question, what will you do with Jesus? This morning I want to preach a message titled just that. What will you do with Jesus? Let's have a word of prayer this morning, and then we'll get into the message. Lord, again, we do thank you for the opportunity that we've had already to sing your praises, Lord, to exalt you, lift you up, to be able to fellowship one with another. And Lord, I'm so thankful for all those that participated and prepared the breakfast we had this morning and the, the time we've fellowshiped with each other. Again, thank you for that, and thank you for laying that on people's heart to do that. Again, it's just a wonderful time to be able to do that. But as we've come now, Lord, uh, uh, opened up your word. Uh, help us to feast on what you've given us in your word. Help us to reflect on all that has transpired during this account that we can look at ourselves and ask that same question. What are we going to do with you? Lord, I pray that that answer can be answered today. That we could continually resonate that in our hearts and lives as we go through our lives each and every moment that we will live for you. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can this morning. Direct and guide us. We'll ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Here in Matthew chapter 26, we find, again, a very important events that led up to Jesus' burial, his death, burial, and his resurrection. 
Uh, we can look at later on in the chapter and see how the Sanhedrin council abused their power uh, in judging Jesus. We can see the false witness, the rejection by the Jewish people, and on and on we can look at the betrayal that Jesus endured by the soldiers, the pain, the shame that he experienced while he hung on the cross. And there's a lot of different people we can look at as we look at this event in history. But this morning, I want to look at those that were the closest to the Lord. These were the men that walked and ministered and lived with the Lord for uh, his entire time of, uh, during his earthly ministry. And you would probably think in your mind, if there was somebody that knew Jesus the best, if ones that were really following close to them, it had to be these 12 that he chose. Again, that's just my thinking. They had to be the ones that were there with him every day as he was going through his life. So as we look at those 12, we stop and consider, maybe put them on a little bit of a pedestal, if you would. Uh, they were better. Uh, they, they understood. They, they were close to him, but yet they were no different than you and I. And oftentimes, I think when we look at those men... And, and the women that were mentioned throughout Scripture uh, that walked with Jesus, we, we think, wow, they, they must have done something great, or why were they chosen, and so on and so forth. And, and I, not that we really have the answers or even need to know the answers. Would we put ourselves in that same category? You know, there's a lot of people, if you would ask them today, uh, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And everybody, oh, yeah, sure, you're, uh, I follow God, or, or yeah, I've got a Bible, or whatever the case. But uh, we often wouldn't put ourselves down as saying we wouldn't follow Him, or we wouldn't reject Him, we wouldn't deny Him. But yet, that's exactly what we find when we look at these that were so close to the Lord Himself. What these men did in one night may surprise you, and honestly we may have fallen into these same four categories that we'll look at this morning. The first category I want you to see this morning is found in verses 14 through 16, and that is Judas betrayed him. Judas betrayed him. Look with me at verses 14 through 16. It says, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto him, What will ye give me that I, may, I will deliver him unto you? And they convened with them, for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. These first few verses we see how Jesus again looked for a way to betray the Lord. If we were to continue to look at verses 48 through 50, we'll find that this event actually took place. Judas went through with actually betraying him. <clears throat> betraying him. Look at verses 48 through 50 with me. And he that betrayed him gave him a sign saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. <clears throat> this is a great example of who Jesus was and how he treated people. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what Judas had done and knew that he would betray him. But how did he address him? He didn't address him. You scoundrel, backstabber, traitor. What did he call him? He said, friend. Hey, friend. Come. Hey, friend. Come. Don't miss that. Understand that Jesus is our friend. One day, you may decide to deny Christ. Oh, no, I would never do that. We, we, we think that. But you may come to a point in your life where you fall away from the faith. Always remember that Jesus is your friend. He's your confidant. 
He's your Savior. He's your Lord. He's your King. He is your friend. He is a friend to sinners. He is faithful to forgive. He's the one that we need to have in our life. But notice with me that Judas initiated the conversation. He spoke to the priest there in verse number 14. We know from studying Scripture that the chief priest in that day did not like Jesus and what he was doing, what he was teaching. They all wanted to kill him. They wanted to get rid of him and what he was doing. We find in each one of the synoptic Gospels that Judas went to the chief priest. They didn't come search him out. They didn't come looking for Judas. Judas went to them. There are many in the world today that are looking for opportunity to speak against what we believe. They openly oppose our beliefs. They speak against the Bible and all that it teaches. There are some that are in churches today that do not fully believe what the Bible says, but yet they still claim to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never understood how someone can only believe in part of the Word of God or say, I only want this part of it. Again, it's not a smorgasbord. You're not going to Golden Corral and get what you want. This is all or nothing. The Bible is there, all of it. Every jot, every tittle, the Bible says, is there for our education, for our learning, for our help. But some have decided to go their own way. And by doing that, they have enticed others just like Judas had done. He decided, hey, I can do it for 30 pieces of silver. As verse 15 says, what will you give me? Apparently, Judas had a price to betray the Lord, and it was for 30 pieces of silver. Let me ask you this, what is your price to betray the Lord? Oh, oh well, wait a minute, I would never do that. We're in church, by the way, right? You're thinking, well, I would never be like that. But wasn't Judas the one that walked with Jesus during his entire earthly ministry? There are some people that say, yes, I would never deny him, I would never betray him. But what is your price this morning for not following God and loving him, serving him like we know we should? Some, it's the idea of employment. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a job. We should have a job. We should work, again, to provide for our family. But is that job that you are doing keeping you from drawing close to the Lord? Is it not allowing you to fellowship with other believers to meet together in assembly and in worship? What about your entertainment? This one may hit a little closer to home. Your entertainment, is it something that is pleasing to God? Is your music what you listen to honoring God? Are the movies that you watch exalting God? Is any form of media that you are focusing on, is it spiritually uplifting? Let me ask you this. What if we did a display what you listen to and watch up here on the screen? Would you be embarrassed? The Lord already knows it. So it's something we've got to consider and stop and think about. But these are just a couple of examples of the prices that people are willing to pay to betray Christ. Next, we notice that Judas sought for an opportunity. Again, verse number 16 points that out. It says, he sought opportunity to betray him. From this point on, Judas, Judas excuse me, looked for an opportunity to collect that money. He wanted to make sure he did his job so he could be paid what the, the, the going rate was. How many times have you looked for reasons to quit on God? How many times do you search out excuses not wanting to serve the Lord or to be faithful as He's called us to be? I've said before that if you're ever looking for an excuse, Satan is going to be right there to give you as many as you want. All you have to do is pick one. 
Judas is probably one of the most common people we look at when it comes to betrayal. But what we find in Scripture is he's not the only one. We find number two this morning, the second category, if you would, is Peter forsook him. Peter forsook him. Look with me at verses 33 through 35. The Bible says, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I shall die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. And of course this is the prophetic account of what Peter would do as denying the Lord. And this would come to fruition in verses 69 through 74. If you would look there in chapter 26. 69 through 74 says, Now Peter sat without in the palace, and the damsel came and said unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. When he was gone out into the porch, and other maids saw him, and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said unto Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. Again, stop and think for a moment on who Peter was. Oftentimes we, we get our own ideas and thoughts of who these men are, but again, Peter was a very enthusiastic type of person. He was very strong-willed, if you would. He was a natural-born leader. He was one of those people that were always out front leading, especially here with the disciples. Oftentimes he was one of their spokesmen as he would speak on their behalf. But he was also referred to as one that was in the inner circle of, of the, the Lord's friends. Again, there were three that were closest to the Lord Jesus. It was Peter, James, and John. Oftentimes you will find where the Lord would take these three in certain areas or to do certain things. So this is who uh, Peter was. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was changed and uh, he saw Moses and Elijah. He was there when Jesus chose three to go with him to, to, uh, to heal Jairus' wife in Scripture. Not all of them went with him. It was only those three that went to both of these occasions. And of course what we find here in the Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples came with him and he stopped them and he chose the other three and said, Will you go a little further with me? So oftentimes as we look at this, again, Peter was one of those ones that were closer to the Lord Jesus. And in verse number 33 we see that Peter was confident that he would never deny the Lord. I can picture again in my mind's eye his cocky attitude. He was emphatically standing before Jesus and says, I will never. You ever had that? I will never. That was kind of the way he was. He gets repeated again in verse number 35. He says, yet I will not deny thee. You know, I can give you name after name of people who once said the same thing, but today are no longer following and serving the Lord as they should. Preachers, Sunday school teachers, faithful church members that have now drifted off and gone their own way that are no longer doing what they know is right. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We can deny and say we're not going to, but if we're not making ways to, to keep from falling off the track, if you would, then we could very easily be pulled away. 
This is why it's important that we do everything in our power to keep from going the wrong way. Because when we do, we're going to coerce others in following us as well, just as Peter had done. Notice with me there at the end of verse number 35, it says, Likewise also said all the disciples. Hey, Peter jumped up and said, I will never. And the disciples were behind him going, Yeah, me neither, me neither. Everyone's saying that they're going to always follow the Lord. They're never going to fall away. They're never going to turn away from God. Who are you influencing with your life? What kind of impact are we making on those around us? We easily judge those we see, but seldom do we ever examine our own lives and think, what kind of impact am I making on others? What am I doing with my life that's showing other people Christ? Peter had no intention of influencing those around him, but he did. And the influence and attention was recognized by those who saw him to the point he cursed and sweared to deny the Lord. Verse number 74, again, we read how Peter uh, began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. He was trying to cover his sin of denying the Lord. They had already told him that his speech bereath, or it proved that he was one of the disciples. Maybe he thought if he talked like the rest of the world, used the words that they used, that it would cover up who he really was. And this is something that still happens today. People move away from God, they begin to deny it in their lives, and then they start sounding like everyone else. Their jokes become distasteful. Their adjectives are limited to four-letter words. And you can't tell the difference between their speech and the world's words. This was Peter as he forsook the Lord. But that's not the only thing he did. As Jesus invited those three again to go further with him into the garden, we see that they fell asleep. So number three this morning, they fell asleep. <clears throat> As we look at verses 40 through 44, it says, And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, and their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Jesus and the disciples had left the upper room. They were going down into what was called the Garden of Gethsemane. This was at the place, at the, the foot of the Mount of Olives. This is a place where they would come and they would press and they would crush the olives for oil. The actual name of Gethsemane means olive press. How appropriate it is that we go back and stop and think about the Lord Jesus and how he was crushed and broken for our sins. And that's exactly what he is praying about right here in that garden. Jesus asked these three closest companions to go with him a little further into the garden. Watch with me. He says in verse number 38, after some time, the Lord comes back and finds these three and rebukes them. Could you not watch with me one hour? As verse number 40 says, watch one hour. This was during the evening hours. And again, it was dark uh, in the garden. Peter and James and John were there to be the lookout for what was to go on, what was to, to come. Again, Jesus knew what was going to happen. Jesus knew that uh, Judas had betrayed him and that he was going to become looking for him. But it shows that he was, it was important for him to have some time in prayer. 
He said, you watch with me, and I'm going to pray. And as Jesus went off to pray, they fell asleep. You ever stop and think how important it is to have a good prayer life? Here the Son of God felt it was important enough to stop and make time to pray to His Heavenly Father. Should go to show how important prayer should be to us. We need more than just the casual recognition of God or a time to present our laundry list of wants to Him. Our prayer life should be one of sweet fellowship, talking and communing with our Heavenly Father. We sing the song, Sweet Hour of Prayer, but do we actually participate in it? Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. That calls me from a world of care. There's a lot of cares that go on in this world that can easily bog us down, but as we go to prayer, it's one of those things we can give to God, lift up to Him and allow Him to take care of it. But as you go through that song, there's a lot of things that we can look at that we should understand and take time to do. Prayer is so important. We should desire to spend time in prayer, not just rush through it or agonize over it. But unfortunately, these three disciples were too weak in this task, as was mentioned in verse number 41. So they were too weak. They didn't stay awake. They'd fallen back asleep in verse number 43. When our faith doesn't become real to us, we will never have a strong prayer life or a relationship with God. This is something I see over and over again. There are many people today that are conforming to what their parents say or what their pastor wants, never making a belief or a faith personal to them. If your faith is not personal to you, it will never last. When that happens, our eyes become heavy spiritually and we fall asleep. We fall away from God. It's a sad truth. Many professing believers today are asleep not aware of what is really going on around them, not seeing the destruction that Satan is causing in their life because they won't take time to restore that relationship that they have with God. One disciple freely betrayed the Lord, another forsook him. They all fell asleep. And then finally, number four this morning, they all fled from him. Look at verse 56 with me. It says, But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Opposition had came and everyone left. These men had been with the Lord for the past three years, watching him do great miracles, and they decided at this point, all of a sudden, hey, I'm done with God, I'm leaving. I'm not going to follow him anymore. You know, there's some people in churches this morning that come across a little opposition in their life, and they decided it's too much. I'm no longer going to follow God. It doesn't matter what He's done in my life. It doesn't matter what I can look back on and see Him working in my life. I'm not going to serve Him anymore. And it's sad because He does so much for us. Some of the things we don't even realize. But yet we decide it's too much. And we're done. This morning I want to encourage you not to give up. Jesus never quit on you. So why would you ever want to quit on Him? Paul encouraged the believers in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding, always moving forward for the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Everything you do for God is noticed. God knows it. God sees it. But all those that were once disciples of the Lord failed Him 
in one night. But the beauty of this account is it doesn't end there. It doesn't stop there. We can see the rest of Scripture that shows us that the disciples went back to Galilee and they were able to see the resurrected Lord. They didn't throw in the towel. They didn't quit. They all decided to go back and follow the Lord. We may be just like the disciples who at one point gave up and fled. We may have forsaken the Lord as they did, but never forget that they came back and they continued to follow God. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says, And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. No matter where you are in your spiritual walk, always remember that following the Lord is just one step in the right direction. We can repent right now. The term has the idea of turning away from the direction you're going, away from God, and start walking back toward Him. I don't know where you are spiritually this morning, but God does. And God is inviting you to come back to Him. We may have denied Him. We may have forsaken Him. We may have fled from Him. But Jesus is calling us back to Him. Will you come back? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes.